my mother's Dutch pot. A poster, which is a map of Barbados. My grandmother's suitcase. A flyer with the sound system on it. We all have one of those objects, don't we? Something so sentimental, we've had it for years. And losing or breaking it is not an option. These objects tell a story about us. About our lives, upbringing and family. And for Caribbeans whose stories are so often left untold, we are bringing these stories to the fore. They're just pots on a surface level, but they're kind of loaded in history. These flyers would have been going back to the 70s, so it brings back great memories. This is Objects and Tings. A podcast celebrating Caribbeans and their favourite tings. Episode 10, Afro Hair and Beauty. Hello, this is Objects and Tings, a weekly show celebrating Caribbean culture in the UK. I'm Catherine Ross, and this is my daughter, Linda. Hello. Together, we run Museum and a social history museum we take around the UK, so we can meet and connect with people of all different ages. Our exhibitions focus on the lives of Caribbeans in the UK and share all the brilliant things we Caribbeans have done here. And this year, to celebrate 75 years since the Windrush first came to Britain, we're celebrating the Windrush generation in particular, with help from this podcast. Yes, each week we speak to a different guest about an object close to their heart. And use that as a jumping off point to discuss their family and life experiences. Not every guest will be from the Windrush generation, but if you're Caribbean and living in the UK, chances are you will have a story about someone who is. And that's what we're dealing here at Museum and stories. They are our currency. So, shall we meet today's guest then? Yes. My name is Rudy Page. I am a management consultant and I am the former sales and marketing manager of Dyke and Dryden, the leading importers and wholesalers of Afro hair and beauty products during the 1970s, 80s and 90s. Great hair. I love talking about black women's hair. The innovation of tools and products for Afro hair has come so far over the years So I can't wait to hear what object Rudy has in store for us. Yes, so can you guess what it might be? An Afro pick? Foam rollers? Dark and lovely like me? (laughs) (laughs) You're almost there, but it sounds like you're going through our bathroom cabinet. Let's find out from the man himself. My object is a hot comb, and this hot comb, it has metal teeth, wooden handle, and it was used by Caribbean women to straighten their hair, particularly during the 1950s and 60s. There was absolutely a Windrush Generation look, wavy at the front with plenty of length. My mother was one of the best stylists at using the hot comb when I was a child. And so on a Saturday night, women would come round for her to style her hair before they all went out to party. And then in later life, when I became the sales and marketing manager for Dyke & Dryden, the hot comb and afro combs were an integral part of my business life at the time. So I always had that 
close affinity to the uh, hot comb and always made sure that I sold one wherever I went. In fact, I used to carry one round in the car for sentimental reasons. The hot comb looks like an ordinary comb, but the teeth are metal and it has a wooden handle and there's approximately 10 to 15 teeth. So the hot comb will be put on the stove or on the top of a hot paraffin lamp because we're now talking about the 1960s and the paraffin lamp was something that was used in all Caribbean households at that time. Of course, there was no central heating. The paraffin lamp gets very hot. After a while, there's a slight change in color because it's metal. It's always through judgment to know exactly when to take it off and when to place it on its hair. And that's part of the skill, of course, knowing when to do that. I can remember my mother on one side of the room with friends, they would be sitting, chatting, joking as she was doing their hair before they all went out remember music in the background. If the comb was too hot and it was placed on the hair, there may be a slight sizzling sound, which is not a good sound. But for me, there was not any sound because my mother was one of the best stylists at the time. the idea of Rudy carrying around a hot comb for sentimental reasons. I'm really sentimental too and hang on to everything that's special to me. In fact, I love documenting my life through objects and things. Yes, you even keep our podcast scripts, don't you? I do indeed. You love a memento, Mum. <laughs> but back to the hot comb, because it really was, and still is for many, an integral part of Caribbean life. Hot combs are a symbol of time spent with family and friends, so have a wealth of personal stories attached to them. I can't wait to hear some more of Rudy's and share a few of our own. Hello, Rudy. Good day. Hi. Good day, good day. Right, tell us, where in the Caribbean are your family from? My mother came from Montserrat, my father, Jamaica, and I was born in London, East London. Right. And when did they come to London then? Both of them arrived in the same year, actually, 1955. They were early comers then. Mm, uh, absolutely. Earlier than me. Yes. Mm. Uh, yes. I am a real child of the Windrush generation. Have you only lived in London then? And no. You grew up in London? In fact, uh, we sort of lived in Finsbury Park and then we moved to Slough. So I actually regard myself as a Slough man. As we used to say in the 1970s, we used to regard ourselves according to our town. So what did they get up to then? Come on, sell it to me. Were you a bad boy? No, no, no. I was always <laughs> well behaved. That's one thing I will always say about myself. I, I was always well behaved. So I was very much about um, football and um, enjoying myself going out in the 1970s. Of course, lovers rock time. Yeah. Sound oh. systems. That's the 1970s oh. for me. Oh, that sounds very proper. I approve of all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but then tell us, how did you move from that to Dyke and Dryden? 
they were looking for somebody to handle sales because they were going to have a, a major push. At the time, of course, this is as the curly perm was growing. So Mr. Wade asked me if I would be interested. And I said, yes, of course. Very dynamic industry. So I joined Dyke and Dryden on the 20th of July, 1981. I mean, Dyke and Dryden actually began in 1965, but it wasn't till really the 1970s where there was a wholesale, quite a good wholesale business. And then the 1980s with the trends for curly perms and relaxers. And that's where the company really grew. And I had both of those. Right. Curly permanent relaxer. And that <laughs> smell of chemicals. <laughs> and the burn, the yeah, burn. Sodium hydroxide. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what was your proudest moment working um, with Dyke and Dryden? I'm sure there must have been many because you really changed or even gave birth to this whole industry. So in July 1982, I was promoted to sales and marketing manager and I won a trip to Atlanta. In fact, it was really the first trade mission for Caribbean business owners, where 40 of us went to um, Atlanta to the Bronner Brothers show. At the time, that was the largest show in the world when it came to the whole black hair industry. Going to America and seeing how the Americans, the layout of the Bronner Brothers show in terms of the music, the style, the fashion, and the whole glitz at the time for us was totally a, a different world. Took all that in and then coming back and putting together and coordinating the original Afro hair and beauty. That, that's probably still my greatest triumph. That was you. Woo, woo. You've really taught us and given us access yeah. to all of these things. And, you know, because before that, a lot of people in the world, I suppose, never saw Afro hair, beauty, black people as being beautiful. Apart from ourselves, we, we thought ourselves beautiful. But the rest of the world could see it and hear it. And that's amazing that you put that together. You make a great point. I'll tell you why. Because um, Mr. Dyke said that we had to have our own trade exhibition in this country. Because prior to that, of course, we'd always had beauty shows, Miss Afro West Indian and all those kind of shows. But that was us enjoying ourselves. And it was really for our communities, part of our cultural esteem, wasn't it, to have those sort of shows. And you're right, there wasn't this recognition of us in the wider world as looking good, making an economic contribution to the country as well. We weren't really seen there. So Afro Hair and Beauty really demonstrated that. I think it's really amazing um, what, what you did with the show and also all of the even now all of the new young hot brands um, for afro hair care that are out there you know those people would have gone to the show absolutely got inspired yeah. i know a few hairdressers actually that we've had over the years that would always go to your show yeah and then also go to bronner brothers and so that's we have, right. we have to go atlanta is the home yeah of absolutely hair, isn't and, it? yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's amazing all those little brands that are popping up actually they're doing really well so they started small but they're now quite large mm -hmm. advertising on tv mm -hmm. and people like rucker and that's charlotte right. manso and mm -hmm. all those other Brands, you know, all gave birth and all started yeah. because of Afro hair and beauty. Let's talk about the hot comb now. Of course, you mean the pressing comb, but we Caribbeans, of course, say hot comb. Except if you come from St. Kitts, we call it the iron comb. What? 
<laughs> I've never heard that one. <laughs> All right. Well, it's that small island thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Rudy, have you ever used a hot comb, iron comb, pressing comb? Certainly not. I was always on the selling and marketing side of the industry. You wouldn't want me to do your hair, trust me. <laughs> Certainly not with a hot comb. (laughs) I have many stories about why even now I don't even trust it when I go to a hairdresser. You know, even nowadays I use it a little bit. But the burning of of your scalp. And the sizzle. And and then it leaves a mark. You get it all done up because you're going somewhere special. And then you've got a mark. Everybody knows where you've been. Tattoo. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. The hot comb tattoo. Yeah, burn, that's, burn you up. That's what we used to say. We used to call yeah. them tattoos. Oh, uh, remember that time, Mum, that you burnt Joe on the forehead? Yeah, Joe's my eldest daughter. Oh dear. I, I tried to turn her into a young lady. Now she was old enough now to get her hair pressed. You know, yeah. and Mum scarred her for life. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. How know. many families have done that? Though yeah. it's not happened to me yet. No, no. <laughs> But I, I do miss when um, the smell and things, it's all nostalgic, isn't it? Yeah. The sizzle, course. like you said, the Linda. smell of your, the burning of your actual hair. But it looked amazing after, didn't exactly. it? Exactly. You can't beat a hot comb, yeah. hot press. Even now, you have all of those different ways of flattening and straightening your yeah. hair mm-hmm. with gadgets, but nothing beats our old fashioned way of doing it. That, no, yeah. that, that heat from a paraffin lamp can't be matched. Yeah. No. Well, because I'm so super young. Not. Um, I never had it on the paraffin heater. I've heard about that. On the stove. The stove. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a stove, really. (laughs) I remember that sitting in the kitchen and like wincing every time mum came near you with it. Like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And me shouting, keep still, keep still. (laughs) Sunday night, ready for Monday morning for school. Exactly. I mean, that's why the kitchen was one of the best salon places in the community. I feel probably why we still go to the salon and get your hair done, but you have to eat something because it's been like, ingrained in you since <laughs> you're a child. <laughs> Part of the culture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Rudy, your mum sounds great at doing hair. Is she still with us? Unfortunately, she passed. Oh, at an early shame. age, she she died of cancer at the age of forty-five. And in fact, she died five months before the launch of Afro Hair and Beauty. So that's why I've always dedicated the original Afro Hair and Beauty to my mother, Esther Eleanor Lee from Montserrat. Oh, lovely name. Oh, you sweetheart. What a lovely son. So without your mum, we we all, all black women in England, (laughs) all owe gratitude to your mum for inspiring you to do that. Absolutely, because we could have never dreamed that that connection in terms of what my mother was doing and then Mm. just those few years later that I would be involved in the launch of still the most significant show in our community after all this time. This year, we have been celebrating the 40th anniversary of um, uh, Afro Hair Beauty, and we kind of um, integrated it into our overall Windrush 75 activities. Lovely time to bring it all together, isn't it? But can you tell us a bit more about your mum? What else does she shine at? Was there anything else she's really good at? She was just a caring person, had the challenges at the time, single mother. But like I said, uh, passing quite early in her life. So some of the things she probably wanted to do, she didn't get to do. So yeah, that 
that was what she was really known for, her styling. In what ways does the Hopco make you feel close to your Caribbean heritage? I think it's a symbol. It's a symbol of life in the UK, just like the front room. Oh, yes, yes. Those of us who grew up in the 1960s know and 70s know what it means when we talk about the front room. <laughs> you better not go in there. You better not touch, you know. That's so true, but there's still a few, um, obviously, because what we do, we work a lot with the Windrush generation, and when we go around to their homes to, you know, just, even just to chat, not even to actually do any work and have a social time, the front room is still yeah. the untouched room for a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> that, that gram. <laughs> Don't touch the gram. Right, the, cab the cabinet, you know, the yeah. glasses, all those kind of things. So, yeah, so I, I think it's their part of our culture, just like the paraffin lamp particularly yeah. the green one. Yeah, that is so true. We do have one of those in our collection. And whenever we have that out and we show that, the amounts of stories we still collect from mm. people. So it really is yeah. synonymous. And yeah. people always then have to mention the hot coat. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've, I've still got the scar on my left hand from touching the, the paraffin lamp. Oh, <laughs> And if you can't um, hear, as we say, if you can't hear... You feel. Yeah, <laughs> As my mum tells me on a daily basis, unfortunately. <laughs> we like to end each episode with a saying. You've already mentioned one. And if I could take you back to that, you said, if you won't hear, you'll feel. Have you got something else you might want to share with us? Or some sort of saying anyway? It's not really a saying, but I would like to end on a note. I would be really happy if we could recover lost expertise in taking care of our own hair, because I think that's very important for the cultural esteem for the future generations. There's nothing oh, better right. than sitting with your mum mm -hmm. and she's teaching you how to plait mm -hmm. and the importance of parting and straight partings. Mm -hmm. Greasing your roots. Yeah. Again, I'm Caribbean, windrush generation. We grease our roots. We don't moisturise. and or oil. Yeah. Oil yes. and all of that. So we grease our roots and stuff like that. And explain why it's important. And you work out the styles between you. I think it's really nice. It's bonding as well. Mm. And one of the things, as you mentioned that, the roles that, that we played at Dyke and Dryden is that we used to go and speak in schools and children's homes, including Dr. Bernardo's. Because again, in those days, there was a lot of young children, mixed race, as well as you know Caribbean children who were in these homes and they just didn't know how to take care of their hair. So... If you think, again, in those times, that was kind of a, a neglect of the young person, which impacts on their cultural esteem as well. Yeah. So Dyke and Dryden were very clear that that, that that was one of our roles in the community. So as staff, we used to do that. I think you're totally right. And unfortunately, we do need to look after our, our hair and the mm -hmm. culture behind it. Because mm -hmm. we're still asked as a museum, and it's usually by children's homes, to come in to do a talk about mm -hmm. hair. Mm -hmm. um, so it's something that we all need. In fact, even myself, I must admit, which is really bad to admit, out there in the world, but I don't do anything to do my hair myself. I grease it in the morning. I still say grease, but I go to the hairdressers once or twice a week, but it's usually once a week, and get them to do everything, wash it, grease up my roots. Mm -hmm. I'm so lazy. Luckily, mm -hmm. I don't have any children, so I can't pass down my bad yeah. habits. <laughs> but, but, but as you say that, that's interesting. But COVID brought some lessons back to many women about their hair. 
because yeah. they weren't, you know, over a couple of years mm-hmm. able to go to the salons. And also that caused a lot of women to go back to the natural style as well. That's mm-hmm. what I did over COVID. Yeah. I, I moved in with my mum. I don't want to live on my own over COVID. Mum used to grease up my hair once mm-hmm. a week, didn't you? Yeah. Plat it up. And then when the world opened again, I didn't go to have exactly. a relaxer. I went to have um, peritin. And my hair just grew and grew and grew of when course. it was back natural. Yeah. And I was like, is that all it took just to leave my hair to grow and do it, its own absolutely. thing? Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's nature. Leave it alone, moisturise it, and it grows. <laughs> Can I just say my my saying? It's not really a saying. It's something Mummy used to say to me and my sister about doing our own hair when we were younger, when I did try and do my hair. She always just say, remember to comb your Finnegan's. <laughs> you know, there's little bits back here some people call pepper, pepper grains or pepper Absolutely. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we don't know about those things. All right. Thank you very oh, thank much. Thank you so much for our chat today. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And thank you for coining that phrase, Afro hair and beauty. Thank you. Because I am definitely Afro and I'm definitely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> See you Great. soon. Bye. Right. Bye. Great. Take care. I love that ending sentiment from Rudy. You know, as Caribbeans, it's easy to lose the practices of our elders and ancestors especially because Caribbeans tend to move around the world so much. So I'm keen to take his advice on board, research old techniques and get back to my roots, literally. (laughs) Yes, that's the best advice I've heard for a while. Hair care is definitely self-care. It really is. I truly believe that. So that's all we have time for today. If you're liking what you're hearing, please get in touch. Yes, I know we say this every week, but we honestly love hearing from you. You can find us at Museum and on Instagram. And at Museum and underscore on Twitter. And you can also head to our website, museumand.org, to find out more about our work, sharing Caribbean brilliance across the UK. Next week, we'll be speaking to someone whose object is something you can all interact with at home. Yes, it's going to be a multimedia extravaganza. But until then, bye-bye. Bye.